listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Thank you, worship team. You know, in a, in a sense, the, um, the song we just sang is quite representative, in a sense, of what we're going to be talking about today because we're talking in this series, this is our second week on Hold Fast, we're talking about prayer. And today's sermon is supposed to be focused on how do we pray. And in a sense, if, if you want to take just a brief teaser of what today's sermon is about, that song is a prayer, right? That song is completely and totally a prayer, and it shows us the essence of what our prayers should be uh, rooted on, which is the fact that we have a good, good Father. And in fact, as we'll see today, that's why the Lord's Prayer starts with the Father. We'll, we'll talk about that more in depth. But first, I, I think um, uh, I should kind of share an analogy of the struggles that we have with prayer. Uh, by the way, my name's Ricardo. I'm part of the teaching team, and um, and I struggle with eating healthy. That's the analogy. I struggle with eating healthy. Have you ever tried to lose weight and eat healthy? I know I have. I think I start a diet every month, just about, give or take. And I, and I always tell myself, this is the real one. I'm starting now for real, okay? No more uh, Alamanu ice cream. Uh, no more of uh, pyology. I mean, I go to pyology and I get the... Um, the cauliflower crust, but it's still bad, you know, <laughs> it's still pretty bad, um, but here's the thing, I can confess that this has been one of the most frustrating experiences that I've had in the mid-30s. Uh, American culture in general is kind of obsessed with uh, seeking new ways on how to lose weight, and, and that's kind of what we do in the Christian culture is find new ways to pray. We always want to kind of read the, the new trend on uh, what's the, the new approach or something that we didn't discover before in the Bible on how to pray, right? And so we, we, I, these are, I just listed here some of the diets that I've seen throughout the years that people are doing. I, I think keto right now is one that's really popular, carb-based diet. And in general, other carb-based diets, like I remember back in the 2000s, the Atkins diet, uh, Weight Watchers, calorie counting, intermittent fasting, biblical diets like the Daniel uh, uh, diet, um, juicing, the list goes on. I could go all day here, right? Some are more straightforward, others are more complex. And sometimes, I know Mark and Katya can attest to this, sometimes a lot of those diets aren't even recommended by doctors. <laughs> Talk to your doctors and find out if what you're doing is actually recommended. The truth is we, we all have uh, this, this struggle, right? As Americans, uh, we, we have kind of a surplus of food, right? Third world countries don't experience this type of struggle where, uh, you know what, I'm going to get a regular burger, not double-double, right? That's like, like we, we, we go to In-N-Out, and that's what we get. Like, at least I do. I always get the double-double. Um, that's it. I mean, we, we struggle with this, but here's the thing. We all know, regardless of all the countless diets we've read about, we all know what we have to do. We just have to make a permanent change. That's what they tell us, and eat healthy. Whatever that diet that you chose, you just got to do it. You just got to be disciplined, in a sense, that's kind of true about prayer, though there's more to it, and we'll talk about it. Um, 
you know, eating healthy is hard. I confess it because I've spent a lifetime of disciplining myself to unlimited eating. All you can eat, extra toppings, meat lovers pizza, double-double animal style. I get it with no pickle, but yes, that doesn't make a difference. (laughs) And then I get a water with it, just like, yeah, like, I'm being healthy. Double-double animal style, no pickle. Animal fries, give me a water, please. (laughs) Extra cheese, stuffed crust, double-stuffed Oreos. Oh, they're so good. Fudge-covered Oreos. I love Oreos in general. You know there's red velvet cake Oreos? Crap, those are good. (laughs) There's s'mores Oreos. There's all sorts of Oreos. Can you imagine? I used to eat a whole pizza by myself when I was 16 to 18, like a whole, like one of those big ones. I remember Pizza Hut used to have the, the New Yorker one, the really big pizza. I used to eat that by myself on one sitting, and I was proud of it. So stupid. <laughs> it's so, it was so stupid. Um, now, here's the thing. Uh, eventually, your metabolism slows, and you realize, oh, I can't sustain this at all. <laughs> What made things worse for me in my 20s was that I didn't know how to cook. Um, I, I really did not. Um, when I was in graduate school, I started dating Katya, my wife, and she was shocked the first time she visited my apartment. I remember this vividly. She opened the, the, the fridge and she almost screamed because all this she saw in my, in my fridge, water, that's nice, milk, okay, Dr. Pepper, cheese, cold cuts, that's it. <laughs> that was it. And then there was bread outside on the counter, you know, she was looking around to see if there was anything else. The only other things that she found in my apartment were bread, cereal, and Pop-Tarts. That was it. That was it. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I wish I was exaggerating, but that was the truth. I was in graduate school, so I hardly spent any time in my apartment, and so I would do quick things. I'd get up in the morning, oh, put Pop-Tarts in the toaster oven, brush my teeth, eat that. Let's go to class, or let's go to the office to study. That was it. And that's how I justified it. Like, I justified it because, well, I, I have to be in the office 24-7 studying as a graduate student. Um, so she didn't find any fruits or veggies. Uh, she didn't find anything healthy at all around my kitchen in my apartment in general. Now, this is sacrilegious to her because if you don't know, she's a pretty much almost lifelong vegetarian, uh, a first-year resident medical doctor on top of that, and she's... A veg- I mean, she is a vegetarian, but she's borderline vegan. Uh, her weakness is cheese. But, but she, she eats really healthy, uh, and she knows a ton about eating healthy. So I'm just the complete opposite, and I clash with that often. Now, even, even in our, here's the thing. That was the first time she walked into my apartment. You fast forward to when we, our first years of marriage, she quickly realized that She needed to teach me to do groceries. Because even though I was married to her and she would cook things, when I would go to do groceries by myself, I'd buy the same crack. It was the same crap. I would return with bread, cold cuts, cheese, barbecue chips, Dr. Pepper, Oreos, cereal, and Pop-Tarts. That was it. And she would just look at me like, I told you to go do groceries, you know. Like, where are the onions? You know, where are, where's everything else? Um... Now, I, at first, I didn't care that much, and I just laughed it off, and, uh, and she would do groceries with me, and she would often go by herself as well and get the right stuff, but I kept eating, like, just like, ah, like all I could, you know, and at some point, I realized metabolism hits the brakes, 
Late 20s is the first time it kind of slows down, and then it hits the emergency brake about 35. It just goes like, Krah! and you're like, whoa, what just happened? And then it's really hard to lose the weight. Um, but don't get me wrong. I, I want to clarify something that's important to the analogy of prayer. The reason I, I should want to eat healthy isn't for the exterior look. It's not for, oh, you know, I want to lose the the man handles, you know, the love handles. I want to lose, uh, I want to look good for the summer, for the beach. It, it's not that. That's not really what's important. What's really important is my health. You know, my family, for example, has a history that's prone to many health problems, uh, including diabetes and, and others. And so I'm starting to think about the future. It's not necessarily a looks thing. It's more of a, I need to be healthy. And prayer, as much as we struggle with it, as much as we fill our diet with other things, prayer is like that too. It's really how we become spiritually healthy. Now, when I think about this journey that I had with food and think about it in comparison with prayer, I, I realized that at some point the click happened with me when Katya taught me something important. See, I realized that she would basically have no self-restraint either if she bought some certain things. For example, if anyone buys and brings to our house a bag of chips, she will finish it in one sitting. A bottle of Nutella, she will finish in one sitting. I don't know how she does it, but she finishes a, ba a bottle of Nutella in one sitting. And so there are items like that that if I were to buy she would have no self-restraint. So how does she consistently eat healthy? She simply chose to not buy the unhealthy stuff. And that way it's not at home. That way I can't go and grab it. And so those unhealthy options are distractions for us. That's, that's plain and simple what it is. They distract us from eating healthy. The healthy option is sitting there, but I don't look at it like I see banana and I see Oreos. Banana, Oreos. It's Oreos every single time. But if, if I don't buy the Oreos, if I don't have it there, then it's just banana, banana, banana. Okay, I'm going to eat the stupid banana. It's, that, 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 that sounds simple enough, but that's really how she does it. And she's taught me a lot about it. Throughout the years, I've learned how to basically not buy the stuff that I know I will give in to. We needed to remove the distractions from Ricardo in our house. And with prayer, it's the same thing. See, sometimes our prayer experience can be incredibly similar. We want to pray, but we struggle with it. We want to pray. As Christians, we want to pray, but for some reason, we do it less than we want to. Just like we want to eat healthy, but struggle with it. So what do we do? Just like the newest diet trend, the ones that I read earlier, Atkins and all those, uh, the, the keto diet, we read and seek new ways to pray. We read books, we read articles, we read blogs, we listen to podcasts, we, whatever it is, we find our, uh, the newest trend that someone is trying. But at the end of the day, you and I know what we have to do. We just have to pray, just like we have to eat healthy, right? We seek the new way to pray, but we just got to pray, Prayer is how we get spiritually healthy, and that's the point. If we don't decide to do it out of our health and decide to remove the distractions, we will get spiritually unhealthy. 
Prayer is the ultimate opportunity for us to center ourselves to hit the refresh button and clear the burdens of our life. It supernaturally resets you. And if you feel burdened, you need to be reset. You need to hit refresh. And that only happens through prayer. The truth is we know this, but we struggle with it. We, ha- we, we, we convince ourselves we don't have enough time to pray, but if we were to add our daily screen time, now think about Netflix series that you watch, think about Instagram posts, think about Facebook, Facebook feed scrolling, think about the amounts of time you spent on screens, just that, every day, while you're busy, right? Because in the bathroom breaks, in wherever it is, during lunch, on the line, when you're ready to order food, we are on our phones. We are completely distracted. The only way I can eat healthy spiritually is if I remove those distractions. You're not going to get up in the morning and pray if the first thing you do is reach for the phone and check to see how many likes. You're not going to pray if the first thing you do is go to check your work email. You're not going to pray. And so you've got to unplug. You've got to remove those distractions just like I had to remove those distractions at home that were unhealthy for me to eat. We have to. So we've lost the practice of, as Pastor Jason told me once, solitude. The practice of, I'm going to disconnect from everything for a moment. And I'm going to come into the presence of God. We're too busy and too distracted, and there's too much stimuli for us to even consider that at times. We, we, we want to multitask everything. We try to multitask during prayer. <laughs> you know, and what happens? Just like with the food, you become unhealthy. Well, you become spiritually unhealthy. As prayer suffers, we start to make bad decisions. Our spiritual, emotional, and mental health suffers. We drop our moral compass and forget our source We forget that God is the source of everything. We find ourselves being eventually the type of person we never thought we would be. We find ourselves doing things that we never thought we would. And we find ourselves considering doing things we said we'd never do. We've got to stay centered and refreshed. Otherwise, we'll we'll fall into a certain line, a certain way of living that just isn't what we actually want. We have to pray. That's how you stay spiritually fit. I'm going to read you. uh, Pastor Jason also sent me this. We were talking about it a while ago. um, And a lot of this comes from, you know, thoughts that he shared with me uh, and that have influenced me. Um, There's this podcast uh, that's called the Emotionally Healthy Leadership Podcast. And it's done by Pete Scazzaro, the founder of Emotionally Healthy uh, Spiritual Leaders, I think. Um, and th- what, what I'm going to do is, I'm, I think they're going to be on the screen, but I want to read you a series of statements. And I want you to ask yourself, are these true of me? Are these true of myself? Okay? So th- they're going to be on the, on the screen. Ask, is this me speaking? Okay? It's a diagnostic test to see how you are in terms of your refreshing with prayer. I avoid silence. Even when I am silent, my mind constantly races. I skip and skim on rest, meaning I don't rest a lot. I, or I try to hurry it up because I have to move to the next thing. I hurry a lot. 
I often position myself in a way that others will think well of me. I say yes when I would rather say no. Come on. (laughs) I know that one hits me hard. (laughs) I find myself often resentful and tired because I'm trying to get it all done. I know a lot of us here (laughs) can say yes to that one. I rarely taste my food as a gift. I have little mindfulness on delighting in Christ's love throughout my day. I am often unaware of how much tension there is in my body. I have little or no awareness of when I'm overreacting or triggered. I am checking email, Instagram, Facebook, and or Twitter more than 15 times a day and before I go to bed. Think about it. I know, like, we can all choose to right now laugh nervously because it's kind of like, ah, yeah, that hit too close to home. I mean, but that's, that's how distracted we are. That's the, culture, the American culture that we live in. Now, here's how Pete Scazzaro puts it. If three of these are true, you're a little out of balance. If three of these are true for you. If four to seven of these are true, then you need a lot of more solitude, a lot of more prayer time, refreshing, disconnecting from the distractions. And if eight or more are true, then you need an extreme makeover. And that's okay. That's okay. That's a good thing to identify. We need to get rid of the distractions. So point number one on how to pray, now that we've kind of seen that prayer is a spiritual necessity, we need to be spiritually healthy, just like we need to eat healthily. Point number one is, the, it's the most important point today. It's really, every, if, you, if you tune out of the message today, keep this one there. Everything is anchored on this one. Tune out the world to find intimacy with your Father. Tune out the world to find intimacy with your Father. It's hard. We struggle with it. We, we, we feel like we got to get to the next thing and we're busy, but we must tune out the world, the social media, the, the, the Netflix shows, all of it. Work, tune it out. Find a moment of the day. Reset yourself. Find intimacy in the presence of your Father. Here's what's crazy. If you're not convinced that you need to do this, Jesus did it all the time. All the time. In Luke chapter 5, we're told that Jesus would do this. It says, but now even more in Luke chapter 5, verse 15 to 16, but now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. I want you to realize Jesus, anytime he wants, can heal these people that are coming to him. But what does he choose to do first? He would withdraw to desolate places places and pray. Solitude, disconnect. I'm going to pray first. I'm going to center myself because this can be burdensome. You imagine you have the power to heal everyone and nonstop infirmities, sickness, lack of faith. All of it's coming at you consistently. And Jesus is God, but he's also fully man. So it's burdensome. Jesus, the one life that we want to mimic and be like, he would disconnect. He would remove the distractions for a moment, and before he went to do what he sent to do, he would pray. 
He would go away and pray. Mark 1, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. It's over, over and over again repeated throughout the whole gospel. In Matthew 14, 23, and after he had dismissed the crowds, now he's done, he's burdened, he's dealt with everyone. He's healed people. He's spoken life into them. He dismisses the crowds. What did he do? He went up on the mountain by himself, by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. He disconnects always to center himself, to refresh himself, to find the comfort of the presence of the Father. Luke 6, 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray and all the night he continued in prayer to God. If you're not convinced of it, just remind yourself, Jesus would always disconnect. If you're not doing it, you're missing out, and you're more burdened than you should be. Now, when apostles ask Jesus how to pray in Luke, Jesus responds with the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to basically read, this is going to be our main passage, I'm going to read Uh, the version of the Lord's Prayer from Matthew in chapter 6. And I'm going to start by reading a few verses before it because it centers on this very aspect. Before he even says, Our Father in Heaven, Jesus talks about how we're supposed to get to that moment, that emotion, that separateness to pray. In Matthew 6, verse 6 through 13, I'm going to read all of that. Verse 6, it says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who is in secret will reward you. Disconnect. It's not that you actually have to go into a room. It's not that you actually have to go into a mountain. It's not that you actually have to go into the desert. It's that you have to disconnect from everything and everyone else to be in intimacy with the father. And here's the thing. Jesus says, The Father who sees you will reward you. That doesn't mean he'll give us everything we ask for, but he'll reward us always with something, spiritual blessings, always. He'll always refresh you. You'll find yourself a person that's able to carry out tasks more easily, not because of your own strength, but because the Father supernaturally graces you. He provides you with the ability to do it, and he gives you rest. Come all who are burdened, all who are heavy laden. That's what Jesus invites you to do with the Father. In verse 7, it says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. You don't have to make it sound like really awesome. You don't have to sound like a pastor. You don't have to sound like the Pope. You don't have to sound like uh, St. Augustine. You You don't have to sound like anything like that. Don't try to be wordy. Do not be like them, says Jesus. For your Father, guess what? As we just sung... Your father, is knows what, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, and here it is, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, our daily bread excuse me, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. See, again, I just have to reiterate it again. 
Point number one, it's going to be on the screen again, tune out the world to find intimacy with your Father. The prayer starts with the Father, our Father. This is so great because last week, Pastor Jason was talking to us about who is it that we pray to. And he read a verse to us that said that, that, that God is in this unapproachable light. He's so holy, so glorious, so amazing that we can't even look at him. We can't even approach him. But Jesus made a way for us to actually come to him the way Jesus does. You get to call him Father. Get this. You get to call God Father the way Jesus calls him Father. Because you are a child of God the way Jesus is. You're not a metaphorical child of God. You're not an in-theory child of God. You have been adopted, and you are seen the way Jesus is seen. That's why he died on the cross for you and lived a perfect life for you. You are seen as Jesus. You are seen and loved as Jesus. That's the Father that you're praying to. And what's so amazing is that in that one first verse of the Lord's Prayer, both ideas are so juxtaposed and perfectly united because of Jesus. Our Father, warm embrace, in heaven, hallowed be your name. So holy and unapproachable, but I get to bring you in as Father. That's just amazing. Just dwell on that, and you'll want to pray. Because this is a Father who's unapproachable, but He loved you so much, He did the impossible so that you could say, Father. Father. This is beautiful. That your name would be hallowed, that God would be treated, that means that God would be treated with the highest honor and set apart as holy. So this is about worship. Why would you worship God? Because of what Pastor Jason talked about last week. He's unapproachable, yet approachable. It's just so crazy. He's unapproachable to us, but Jesus made a way for us to approach him. That's just so good. Pastor Jason read a verse that said that, again, who, he who has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, who no one has ever seen or can see. And yet he also read, he said that in Hebrews 4, we're told that we, in verse 16 of chapter 4 of Hebrews, we can, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. You get to walk up to the Father right there to his throne, and say, I need you. Come on. That's, that's why we pray. That's why we pray. See, being in the presence of God is how we get healthy. Being in the presence of God is how we get healthy. Now, when people say be in the presence of God, it can be confusing because people are like, well, wait a minute, isn't God omnipresent? What do you mean in the presence of God? God is here, he's there, he's everywhere. When it says that we can draw near to him, it means not that he wasn't there, but rather you can experience the Father in a manifest way that is unlike any other. Because he's next to the atheist, and he's next to the sick, and he's next to the poor and the rich. But can you experience him? Yes, you can draw near to him. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He wants intimacy. 
He wants intimacy. That refreshes you. That, that, that gets you to be able to lay your burdens aside. There's so many passages, and I wish I had time to read you all the passages of why being in God's presence resets you. And I'll just read a few off Psalm 63. You are my God, the psalmist says, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. It says later on, your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I bless you as long as I live. In verse 5, it says, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. That's a father you can woo count on. Again, the unapproachable made approachable. Your soul can cling on to him, for you're right up Your right hand upholds me. That's the anchor. I have a few more points to make, but this is why you need to disconnect and come into intimacy with the Father. This is the central point of today. You must seek to be reset, refreshed, renewed. You must seek to rest in him. Now, there are some more points to add because Jesus tells us how to pray, right? So point number two, desire to live the way your father teaches you to live. When he says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that's basically you saying in your communication with God, it's you desiring to live the way your father teaches you to live. Your kingdom come. The kingdom is already here but also still coming, right? That's a whole message. But... The kingdom is here yet coming. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Basically, you're praying for you and for the church to live the way Jesus teaches us. That we would obey the will of God. That we would obey the will. This is different from sovereign will, which is a fancy word to explain. The will that allows things to be the way they are because God has infinite wisdom. This is different than that. This is just the will of how God wants you to behave every day. He wants you to manifest the kingdom to others that aren't in the kingdom. He wants them to see it on earth as it is in heaven, the way the angels in heaven obey perfectly. Point number three, when you pray, rely on your father for grace and provision. That's verses 11 through 13. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. See, you rely on your father for grace, forgiveness. You rely on him uh, so that you're able to resist temptation. You can't resist temptation without God. Give up on doing that. If you have an addiction, if you have a, a reoccurring sin, and you're not praying over it day in and day out, night in and night out. And you're not praying even as you're walking to, to, to work, as you park your car. If you're not doing five-second prayers, which are so good, if you're not praying over that recurring sin, you're not going to beat it because you can't. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Your father is the source. He's the source of the ability to live in that way. And he also gives you all of your basic necessities. He gives you your bread. He, he's the reason you have a salary, not your work. Okay? Your work is a privilege to serve God with your gifts and talents. But the source of your salary is God. 
If he didn't want you to have that job, you wouldn't have it. He is the source. He gives you the daily bread. Point number four, care about your brothers and sisters. Notice the Lord's prayer is always in plural. Our Father, not my Father, in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But then it says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. Prayer is plural. And we have so many prayer warriors in this church, people who pray often. They write names down, like Coffee Mark. Where's Coffee Mark? Right over there. People that pray consistently over uh, names, uh, Vicky, uh, Teresa. There's so many here. I mean, uh, there's more than what I just mentioned, but th- these are just the first names that came to mind, right? Um, so pray for others because you have brothers and sisters. Care about your brothers and sisters. Prayer is plural. There are other children of the Father. Point number five brings it back. This is the end. It brings it back to where we started as the band comes up. Point number five tells us, thank, you, thank your Father and be refreshed. When you're praying, as you've done all these things, thank him and then be refreshed. I started today by telling you that diets, right, the reason we we want to diet is to become healthy. And I told you that the prayer analogy is we should pray to the Father. We should seek to be in his intimacy to be refreshed, to, be, to receive joy, peace, and all the good things that we need to carry out through the day. Thank your Father and be refreshed. That's why in Philippians, Paul tells us, he reminds us, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, thank your Father, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I have OCD and I struggle with anxiety and obsessions and compulsions that cripple me. And this is my, this is my refresh. This is how I, I, I stay centered with God's ability. So thank your Father. Connect with your Father to ask for all those things that we talked about, but be refreshed by thanking Him. Mm-hmm. I want to say one last thing. Notice, nothing in the Lord's Prayer told you, you have to have your eyes closed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to have your knees bent in a certain way. It has to be a wooden pew. It has to, none of that. Now, I do think it's important that our heart is reverent. Whether you're bending knees physically or not, your heart should because hallowed be thy name. So unapproachable yet so, Father. So unapproachable yet so, Father. So if you're walking to work, sometimes I do my prayers while I'm driving and I make sure to turn off the distraction, right? I make sure to put my cell phone away. I'm not going to look... I'm going to drive, yes, but I'm going to be praying. Sometimes I pray in the shower. TMI, right? Too much information. (laughs) Sometimes you can pray five seconds as you're heading into that meeting that's stressing you out. And that five-second prayer will bless you. Mm -hmm. You can pray at all times. How else are you supposed to pray consistently? Katya's at work, and I'm at work, and I can't see her, but I'm constantly texting with her. 
two, three lines. Hey, how's it going? Oh, today's stressful. We're texting each other. We're communicating quickly. Do that with the Father. We, we do it with all other people. Do it with the Father. Have those five-second prayers throughout your day. Have a, a reverent heart towards God. Let's, of course, pun intended to pray. <laughs> Father, we thank you because with Jesus, prayer is not just a religious exercise. It's not something I do because I have to. But because of Jesus, it's something I do because I need to. I want to. Father, that we would be reminded that we need to disconnect, remove the distractions, remove the screen time, remove the work emails. We need to set time aside every day to center ourselves in you, to come into your presence, to draw near to you because you will draw near to us. That's so good. The unapproachable made approachable. Remind us that this is why we come to you. And may we find, as the psalmist says, all that joy, the longing in our soul satisfied as, as if we were eating. Father, give us that satisfaction in you. Give us a renewed heart for prayer, not for the sake of doing a religious exercise, but to connect with you, our good, good Father, because that's who you are. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.